Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. And way back when, when I started this podcast, so like two and a half years ago, uh, one of the one of the things that kind of like ignited this whole like, hey, man, you should do this project. You should like go out and try to do something you've always wanted to do and like be fearless about it and all that stuff. Um, one of the things that ignited it was the fact that some of my friends, my very closest friends were out doing some amazing and awesome goals. And one thing I've been so unbelievably blessed with is just having these amazing friends that I made at a young age. So either like high school or college and I featured, a few of them on the show um and but there was one one of my friends adam cruz today's episode who uh, i was always like oh man i don't know if he'd like really dig it i don't know if he'd be into it um but then i saw him go through this just incredible kind of like rediscovery of health and like athleticism and basically what happened and we'll talk about in the podcast but I, I, I didn't see him for like nine months and in that nine months he just lost all this weight started lifting weights and just became like an incredibly healthy like vibrant dude and I was just like oh my god like <laughs> I had no idea this was even going on man um and I was so happy for him and so I finally it's so funny like you know I can I've asked people on the show who I've never talked to and to do the podcast and like wanted to feature their stories and all this stuff. And I've done that and I never have had any like nervousness. Right. But then one of my best friends since high school, I was like, man, I don't know if he would do it. And I was just nervous about it. I don't know why (laughs) I was just like, I don't know if, I don't know why I'm nervous about sending him this text. Um, but I finally like, sent him a text i'm like hey man do you want to come on the on the podcast like and share your story about how you got healthy and and just kind of like nerd out about teaching because he is also a teacher he's an agricultural or agriculture teacher and i gotta say he's probably one of the best high school teachers in the state of iowa and i'm just saying that i've only i've seen him teach a handful of times but like the passion he has for the subject material and the way he works with kids is so inspiring to see. Um, so I sent him the text and he was like, yeah, man, I'd be super honored. And I was like, oh, why did I even like have this self-doubt in my head? <laughs> um, so anyways, long story to get there. I am so unbelievably proud of Adam. Uh, he's one of my best friends. Like the guy is one of the best people persons persons he's one of the best guys that i know (laughs) um i remember in like 10th grade just the way he interacts with the people around him uh his family is very important to him his friends are very important and i remember in 10th grade him inviting me to this mexican restaurant and like we were gonna go out to eat with his family and just instantly like i'm i'm an only child so i'm coming from you know not having brothers and sisters and all my cousins are who are amazing but they all lived really far away from me so 
when he invited me to this family dinner, I just got to see this other perspective and got to interact and be like, wow, like no wonder he's this guy. I mean, this, he has this family dynamic and, you know, he has these values placed in him and he's always been one to never kind of go against his values. So anyways, very long intro here. Um, Let's get into the show. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 141 with my good friend, Adam Cruz. All right, guys, this week on the show, very special guest, one of the mo- my most favorite people in the whole entire world, um, Mr. Adam Cruz. Welcome, dude. Hey, thank you. Thank you. How's it going, <laughs> Good man. Um, it was funny, dude. I like. I didn't know if the podcast would be something you were into for the longest time, and you know, because I was like, dude, cruise. You have this incredible story, which we'll get into probably. I mean, I'm assuming it's incredible, but it also might just be like I ate healthy and worked out, and I don't know. <laughs> well, pretty much it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, dude. So uh, I'm really happy to have you on the show, man. Um, I guess to give like people listening some background, if they've never met you, um, you like, you came out to Colorado when we first moved here, which is like two and a half years ago. Yeah. And then I didn't see you for like maybe a year or maybe just like nine months or so. And the next time I saw you, I was like, Oh my God, dude, you lost like an insane amount of weight and just were like jacked all of a sudden. Yeah, so I uh, I guess when I first came out to Colorado, or just like even the last like 10 years, uh, I probably weighed between like 230 and 240 um, and just ate whatever I wanted to eat and did whatever I wanted to do and didn't ever work out or run or do anything. Um, and then uh, two summers ago, I guess it would be, um, I like, I'm like, I got to do something. Um, and, uh, so I just started, I joined a gym, uh, here in town and, um, that was like the big kickoff, I think is once I started joining the gym and I started going, uh, every day and it's during summer, I'm a teacher. So, um, during the summer I had a little bit more time. Um, and so could actually, you know, make it there every single day and kind of set a routine. And I think that was a big, big kickoff there. Um, and then really, I think what helped lose a lot of weight was I started counting, um, doing like a food tracker on my phone, okay. um, to count calories. And it's amazing when you actually look at food and see what's in it. Uh, it scares <laughs> the shit out of you. So just like how many like calories you can actually eat in a day. Um, it, it's kind of crazy. So, yeah. Well, I was thinking the other day, I was thinking about college where it would be like, six o'clock you would start consuming either food or drinks and <laughs> and you wouldn't stop till like two in the morning i know and i'm like dude how many calories did we actually have every friday night in college i know and for me it was other nights of the week too i mean <laughs> i wasn't just a friday night uh go-getter so uh, <laughs> but no i mean it is crazy uh especially like when you drink and you and then you binge eat food at the end or yeah. uh, even throughout the night. It's crazy how many calories you can you can uh, put in um, throughout even just even just throughout the day. 
grabbing snacks or things like that can uh, can be kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I tell you, when I first started teaching and stuff like that, I ate a ton of fast food because like every day, every morning I'd go to Casey's for breakfast, eat a breakfast sandwich or breakfast pizza. Which, by the way, I as from the Midwest. If people are listening from the Midwest, they're like super pumped because Casey's yeah. is the best. <laughs> it is super delicious. It's a gas station here in the Midwest, but they have amazing pizza, especially breakfast pizza and delicious sandwiches. Um, but I used to eat that for breakfast or a donut or two. And then during my lunch, I used to commute between two different schools. And so I would just stop and grab something on the way a lot of times, yeah. which is way too many calories. And then... On my way home, I'd work late or something, and I'd just grab something on my way home, too. And uh, it's crazy to think, like, how many calories I would have been eating or I was eating back then. Yeah. So. Well, it's almost like little changes like that, right? I mean, oh, so, yeah. so what what do you do now versus then? So I don't ever uh, go out for breakfast or, like, go to a fast, fast food breakfast type thing. Um and it's hard because a lot of times I have like FFA, I'm an ag teacher. Yeah. Um, and so we have FFA like contests and stuff. So I have kids coming into my uh, room at like six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. So I buy them donuts. That's like my like go to to get them to come in and actually practice when they need to and stuff like that. So I buy them donuts and it's like, man, I really could just like eat a couple of these and be fine. But uh, no, usually I have like uh, either like a um, like protein powder, like for breakfast um, or maybe I usually a banana too. Um, and then, um, I try to always bring a lunch. So now I, I, now I always bring a lunch. I usually just get like a frozen meal from Walmart or something like that. But it has like, you know, between 300 and 400 calories or whatever that, and then, um, I just make better decisions on dinner. So I really haven't eaten fast food unless we're on like an FFA trip and I have to, um, I really haven't eaten fast food in a long time. Dude, so. that rocks. I my my strategy was with donuts is I'll just eat like one donut hole because people who bring because you people bring in donuts to work all the time. Right. But I'm like, honestly, if I think about it, when I'm craving a donut, all I want is that first bite. You know, right? By the by, the like time I finish the donut, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> For sure. For but, sure. Wow, yeah, man. dude, that yeah. rocks. So. So yeah, like, I mean, so some of those lifestyle changes, but like, what was the thing that actually like at that point you were doing kind of things one way for, for a long, long time. And then you're like, I'm going to join a gym. Like what made you join the, join the gym? Uh, I think it's what makes a lot of people join a gym is they want to date better looking people. So, um, <laughs> that's like 100% my motivation yeah. and, uh, to try to date better looking people, uh, you have to look better yourself. So, um, especially if you have Tinder, uh, it doesn't, you know, you just don't get the matches you want. If, uh, nobody's going to swipe right. If you, uh, aren't putting in the work. So <laughs> that's well. And also, I mean, you meet like like-minded people too, you know? And right, exactly. And so if, if you're like, Hey, I want, I want to meet somebody who is, going to the gym or like driven in that way um yeah like the easiest way to do that is to actually like join up yourself which is super cool for sure for sure the, so. what did the first like couple of days feel like uh so when i first started going to the gym um first i did not have like a workout plan 
and that was stupid <laughs> because I just like was one of those random people in the gym that kind of like went from like area to area. Sometimes I like grab a free weight or I'd like get underneath the bench and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I mean, like <laughs> you have to have a plan. I think that was the biggest thing that I did. Like within the first couple of days is I just started looking at different workouts online. Um, and I found one that I'm like, I could probably do this, you know, and, um, you know, we lifted in high school and all this stuff. So I had like, you know, a lot of the form and stuff that I knew and I knew all the different lifts. So, um, picking out a, a workout was like the biggest thing I think that helped me, um, especially because it gave me like a purpose to go. Cause I'm like, Oh, I need to do this on, you know, day one or Monday and this on Tuesday and this on Wednesday. And then I, <laughs> I tried to start running. Um, and that was like, excruciatingly painful um just because i like i hadn't ran in so long and um also i uh what would be like six years ago i tore my acl my mcl i got buried underneath the oh dude okay tell us the whole entire story of that (laughs) that is incredible Uh, um from a teacher standpoint because it was your very first day teaching yes it was my very first day on contract july 1st uh, and thank God it was my first day of contract because um, it happened at work. I was at the Ag Learning Center where we have cattle and a heifer or young cow um, got her head stuck in the fence um, because it was poorly designed. And so her head was stuck and I had to get next to her to cut the fence um, and bend it away from her head so that we could get her head out. Um, but when I was, uh, after I'd cut the piece of fence and I started to bend it, I accidentally cut her like on the neck. Uh, and she did not like that. Um, and I was standing about, I don't know, probably a good foot of mud and manure. <laughs> and uh, she started freaking out, um, started kicking. I got buried underneath her and she stomped right on the outside of my knee, uh, my right knee. And uh, of course, oh, there's dude. like six students standing on the other side of the fence. Um, and the way the fence was built, I couldn't pull, like, I couldn't stand on the outside of the fence and like pull it. I had to pull it towards her um, <laughs> to get like her head out. And of course, they're standing there, and I'm like, this is my first day. I, like, barely know the kids because I've met them, like, a couple times during the summer, but not really. <laughs> and, of course, I get stuck underneath, and I'm cussing up a storm. Like, I'm like, you fucking bitch, and all this stuff. And uh, I felt – I've <laughs> luckily, I, could, I, like, scooted out of the manure underneath of her, and I tried to stand up, and I couldn't because my knee was just junk. And so then, luckily, like, one of the kids hopped the fence and, like, helped me out of the cattle run into like the main section of the ag center and um my uh this is <laughs> this is embarrassing but my mom had to come get me <laughs> and drive my vehicle and i'm like covered head to toe in manure and mud and drive me and my vehicle to the emergency room and uh they had just it was like two days before that they had just opened the brand new emergency room at the muskeen hospital and uh so i walk in there and i'm like dripping manure and mud and these nurses and the the front desk people are just looking at me like what the hell are you doing this is a brand new facility and you can just see they're so mad so it was uh it was not fun i completely tore my acl my mcl um and then uh partially tore my or yeah partially tore my meniscus and um but luckily it was covered by workman's comp uh even though i never had surgery on it though which is a huge mistake Um, the, the orthopedic I went to see, um, like basically told me you don't play any like contact sports and 
you're, you're not a super athletic person, so you don't need your ACL and MCL. It'll heal with like scar tissue. And he's like, you don't really have to have surgery. And, I, and it was like, by the time I could have had the surgery, it would have been like two months into the, my very first school year. Yeah. And I would have had to been like out of school for a little bit and then on crutches for a lot longer and all this stuff. And I was already off the crutches and everything. So I'm like, eh, yeah, no surgery sounds great. But now yeah, I pay the, I pay the price for not having like a, a really solid knee. So Dude, I want to, yeah, I want to get into that, but I what, what did your t- students say? Like, did you ever <laughs> ask them later? Like, Hey, remember the first day of school? Yes. I got kicked and started cussing out a cow. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, so when I talked to them afterwards, the kids were like, one, they're like, Mr. Cruz is a badass because he used a lot of curse words. But then, like, they just sent out, like, on social media, they just were telling other kids, we broke Cruz. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, so then uh, the next time I saw, like, most of the kids was at County Fair. And so that's, like, the second or third week in July. So I was on, like, my knee is still, like, completely, I wasn't supposed to put any weight on it, still on crutches and stuff. But um the Louisa County Fairgrounds are like very spread out and I was extremely tired of crutching so I just ditched the crutches and started walking on it and the kids are all like you can't do that don't do that and I'm like it's gonna happen so um and so that was like my first impression and then of course like the whole first two months of school I had like a knee brace um and so the kids are like that's how they knew me it was like as broken crews <laughs> the only thing that like had like really stuck from it is my knee brace was sweet because it had all these straps that went across yeah. and so the, one of my like biggest pet peeves is not having a pen on me um and it's like from when i was a landscaper like i always had to go like properties and do like write down like things that were wrong and do property walks and if i didn't have a pen or if my pen broke i'd have to like walk clear across the property back to my vehicle and get one so i always had like five or six pens in my pocket but with my uh knee brace i could put like 80 pens in there and i'd stick all these pens in there kids would give me so much so much crap for having all these pens in here but that's like that's how they knew me is like broken crews and then um but yeah they they thought i they thought it was cool that i uh used some swear words so that's cool man that's cool yeah. a side note as a teacher do you come home and always have like 70 pens in your pocket somehow um Yes and no. So like the kids know that I'm very uh, partial to my pens. So uh, I, I don't lend them out very often, but kids are always asking for a pen or a pencil. Yeah. So if they don't give it back to me, I do harass them. Um, But yes, I do have several pens in my pocket right now. (laughs) Dude, we should invent like a, a wristband with a string with a pen on it because somehow in, in at least where I'm at in middle school, it's like they go from math class, they get a pen in math class, and then they lose it over the next 40 minutes to science. Oh, kid, kids will go through like three pencils in a same class period sometimes. And I'm like, what happened to the first one? They're like, well, it broke. I'm like, it's a mechanical pencil. They're pretty sturdy. I don't know how you're doing this. So it is, uh, it is ridiculous. I always find like random pencils in the hallway and everywhere. And I snag every single one of them. When a kid asks for a pen or a pencil, I don't want to give them my nice stuff. So I give them the crappy ones that I find. Yeah. I do that too, man. And it's great because we have sixth graders now. Sixth graders leave all their stuff in the hallway somehow. I don't know how it works. Like a kid left his violin in the hallway. (laughs) That's like 
probably a several hundred to a thousand dollar purchase. So yeah, I just took it. I just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I took it and put it in my room and then I found him. I'm like, you left your violin out here, guy. Come on. <laughs> That's awesome. That'd be, rough, that'd be a rough day to go home without your violin. Parents would be a little upset. Dude, that's what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm giving my kids when they're in school, I'm going to give them like two pencils. And be like, you have, this is your pencil for the whole year. Good luck. <laughs> they will bomb pencils off everyone. That's true. I would be like, if you keep this pencil for at least a semester, I will like buy you a pony or something. Yes. You know? <laughs> um, but dude, so you didn't get it repaired. So what is, because, okay, so I guess, to take it to take you back like you came out and it was after this whole incident with the cow and you basically like yeah man like i'm never gonna run like i'm never gonna run it's just something i've accepted and i'm like okay like and for me like i like love running and i'm like right yeah secretly i was like that sucks i hope he can run but and then now you're running though so yeah so um when i first started running it was like really rough. So I wore a knee brace um, and I just like got one that you can buy like over the counter and <laughs> it helped a little bit. Um, but then like, as I started running more and more, uh, it got a lot better. Um, and so, and now like I can definitely tell that there, you know, it's still not as good as my other knee, but it doesn't really bother me. Um, like last, last fall, I started doing like this, I don't know, dumb workout where I try to do box jumps and stuff. And jumping is completely different than running because like it's different motion on your knee or whatever. And so I was doing like these box jumps and I just like totally screwed my knee up and it felt almost as bad as it did. Like when I first heard it. And so then I had to like stop running for a little bit and I went back to like an orthopedic. He's like, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't have an ACL or MCL, so maybe don't jump on it. I'm like, okay. He's like, you can continue running because it's like one solid like movement and it's yeah. not as much impact. But like he said, jumping is probably not a great idea um, unless I had it repaired. But then it's again, uh, by now I'd have to pay for it out of like my own pocket. And um, it would, uh, again, I'd be out for so many weeks. And like he said, you would have not, you wouldn't have like full um, use of it for like a whole year. And I'm like, I don't want to lose a year right now. So <laughs> Um, well, dude, is it the side to side motion? Yeah, the side to side is really bad. Okay. So, yeah, you can do running as long as you're basically just keeping that same movement. Right, exactly. So, um, so you know, every once in a while I'll twinge it or something. But um, really, for me, the biggest thing with running is once I get going and I get past that, like, that first half mile, yeah. then like the endorphins are in and everything, and like I don't even feel it. Yeah. yeah, but like when you're starting out, you're, I'm like, uh, my knee's gonna bother me today. Blah, blah blah. I should probably stop running. But then once you get, the, you just gotta go until you get past that like hurdle, and then then everything's good. You're just like in the rhythm and you're going, and and you can keep going. So yeah, man, I remember my back used to like be super tight, and I would start running because I was when we lived in Iowa City, and I would head down Benton Street if you remember oh, yeah. from uh, Shane and I's place, and I would start heading down there. And that whole first half mile, I'm like, what are you doing? Like every step I was like, stop, stop. Like, this is so dumb. And then all of a sudden it would just disappear and like yep. I would loosen up. Exactly. That's it. I, every time I get that, like when I first start, 
everything's like, you know, kind of sore and you're like, oh, this is, why am I doing this? And then once you get past that, like first half mile, and you're like three, four minutes in, you're sweating and just, it seems like something just clicks and your body is just like, yeah, in the groove or something. Cause it, it does it. And then you don't want to stop because you're, you're going. Yeah. So. Yeah. Have you like, like kind of forced yourself to en- like, have you learned to enjoy it over time? Yeah, for sure. So, um, and I think, uh, I was like, I always, the first summer I started working out, I always ran on the treadmill and I was like, I don't know what, I was just scared to run outside. And like, I wanted to have the safety net or treadmill and, and all this different stuff. But then last summer, like or last spring, when it started getting nice outside, I'm like, and actually I was gonna, um, I wanted to run the, our school puts on a 5k. Yeah. And they do, uh, they do it at Deep Lakes Park, which is a park just south of town here. And um, so I'm like, I really wanted to run that because I could do, you know, 5K on the treadmill easy. And I'm like, oh, I should really do this. I want to beat some kids and, and do this kind of stuff. And, <laughs> uh, and so I, I went to Deep Lakes and I started running out there. And I like running outside is 100,000 times better than running on the treadmill. Dude. And now it's like a chore to run on the treadmill. Yeah. If you can like, go outside it's 10 times better so. dude i look at people on the treadmill in like where like on a nice day i'm like what are you doing it makes no sense to me i can't like i'll go on it and i'll think it, a half an hour has passed and i'll look at the time it's like five minutes i'm like i know oh God. yeah it is crazy and for me like i can't run and watch like a lot of people run and like they watch tv yeah. or watch something on their phone and i can't do that like I have to just like be staring off into space or like, and so like at our gym, at least it looks out the window and I like pick like one thing to look at and I look at it the whole time. I'm like, and you're just looking at the same thing, like running, running. I'm like, what am I doing? But you just kind of get that. So yeah, that's mental toughness, dude. Have have you fallen off the treadmill ever? Like Michael Overbrockling style? (laughs) <laughs> i've never i never pulled a mo but um remember he uh, cranked it he cranked it to like top speed that, that was hilarious uh you should never crank the top speed especially uh when you've had a few beverages and you, um <laughs> but no i think the the craziest thing i saw was some kid was like running next to me on a treadmill at the gym and he was listening to his phone, but he didn't have it like on an armband. It was just like sitting on the ledge of the treadmill. Yeah. Oh no. And he, the, the phone like bumped off and it like somehow got wedged in the side of the treadmill, like in the belt, like in the corner. And it like, everything just started sparking and stuff like that. It was crazy. <laughs> and I felt so bad. It was like one of the brand new iPhones or whatever. And it destroyed the treadmill and his phone. And I'm like, dude, you just did a shitload of damage. Whoa, <laughs> man. All could have been prevented if you would have just, you know, maybe put it in an arm sleeve or at least put it in the cup holder or something. But Wow. That's, that's crazy. Why another reason I don't watch my phone. Because a lot of people, like, set their phone on that ledge and they watch it while they're on the treadmill. I'm like, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. I remember I, I used to do it. And it was before fancy iPhones. But there would be, like, the TVs in front of you but like inevitably you'd never get the treadmill in front of the tv you wanted to watch so like the whatever like i would be watching a football game like three tvs to the right (laughs) and then like you don't realize it but your body starts like drifting that way and then i'd hit the edge and like almost face plant and yeah man yeah 
there's definitely like there has to be like a list somewhere online of like best treadmill accidents of all time yes treadmill treadmill fails there has sure. to be treadmill fails for sure wow. <laughs> but our gym there's like five, four or five six treadmills and there's only two that are good and so the other four like i refuse to to run on so like i will go do other workouts until my treadmill is available That's because awesome. the other four are way too springy yeah. um and so like when you run like it feels like you're like going up and down and stuff and then they have two new ones and I'll run on those because they're, I don't know, for me, I don't like the, the springiness. It's probably good for you, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like maybe. I don't know. Dude, where do you run outside? Uh, I like the, the riverfront's awesome. So the trail, um, and I like to bike this trail too now because it goes from um, all the way out by Solomon. So, um, or like, you know, where Solomon starts, or that's like Jewish Cemetery Road. Um, and then it goes like, past like behind menards and then it goes through um like bandag and then through wheat park down to the riverfront and then the riverfront all the way down to like musser park or um and then you can actually connect it over through the baseball fields on kent stein park and then it goes all the way through south end to deep lakes park how far would that be it's a, it's, so it's 10 miles, um, like one way, one way. So yeah. You, so if you ride your bike, the whole thing, you can get 20 miles in there and back. And like the most I've ever run of it is 14 miles in one weekend. That's so I awesome, did like man. eight one day and six the next, but, um, it's, it's super nice because there's like only two streets you have to cross for the yeah. whole thing. So that's funny. Awesome. Cause I just interviewed our friend, Andrew Zek, uh, who lives in LA. And he was telling me about how LA has zero, like two or three bike trails and that's it. Really? <laughs> like Muscatine, Iowa, you get these like sweet, you know, a whole bunch of miles of trails. Which is awesome. Right. And so I think eventually they're going to connect it all the way up, like past the Ag Center through to Discovery Park, um, which is on Cedar Street. And yeah. so they'll add a ton of trail there. Uh, I like to run Discovery Park too. And then... Um, I'll go to Deep Lakes a lot, but then really a lot of times if it's right after school and I still have stuff to do, but I want to run when it's nice outside or like when it's warm, yeah. um, is I'll go right after school and the, the road that L&M is on, if you go from the high school to the end of the road and back is um, exactly like 3.1 miles. Oh, perfect. So, man. so yeah, so it's just a, it's a straight shot. So, and that's what they run for track and cost country. So I like try to race kids. When they're out, how do you do? Uh, terrible, but <laughs> the, the kids always beat me. But um, one of these days, I'm gonna get them. So. One of the days. Also, we have to say, like, whenever I tell, whenever I'm talking about my hometown and I mention Weed Park to people <laughs> who are not, are not from Muskegon, I would. They're like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, yeah, the park is literally called Weed Park. So, just yes. thought I'd throw that out there. Um, <laughs> so the longest is the longest you ran eight miles then. Uh, I think in one, like, yeah, one setting is definitely eight miles. How'd you feel after that? Um, so I was extremely exhausted, but you get like, you know, the runners high. And so I felt amazing. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, and then I was like amazed that I actually ran the next day and I did six miles the next day. So like, I I think I can do it. It's just, you know, you gotta like push yourself to go do it. Yeah. And you just gotta be in the right mindset too. It was like a super nice day. 
Um, and that makes a huge difference for me. Like I'm not one that's going to go run in like cold or any weather. Sorry, not going to do it. I'm going to jump on a treadmill. Um, so I know you like brave all elements to go running. Uh, that is not me. So it was super nice. And, um, I was just pumped to actually like go that far. And I didn't even realize I went that far. Um, but then I got like, I was running that, that, uh, trail and, um, I just got so far that I'm like, crap, I got to go back. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I did it. And dude, that's so. the best way is like you, if you go out and then you're like, I, there's no other, there's no other thing I can do except turn around and right. like it forces you to do it, you know, which is awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just, you just go and then all of a sudden you got to turn around and you're like, crap, I got to go back. There's, I don't have a vehicle anywhere. There's nowhere to just hitch a ride. So yeah, you just go. That's awesome. Do you ever go by your house where you're like out in kind of the country, like country Iowa roads are really difficult to run on sometimes, dude. Yeah. So like, do you run from your house at all? Like, um, I don't ever leave the house, um, running just because, uh, I don't know where my house is. I don't want to run on the highway. So yeah, Yeah. that's cool. I haven't, I haven't been brave enough to run my road. There's just way too many Hills. It's rough. <laughs> Dude, no one no one gives Iowa props, man, but like the rolling hills will destroy you. Over yes. That. And the the hills are blind, so when you come over the top of it, you cannot like especially in a vehicle and people speed race down my road. So, it is blind coming over those hills. I'm definitely going to get hit by somebody. Yeah. So, and the shoulders are great. There's not a lot of shoulders, so. Yeah. But um yeah, man. Dude, speaking of speed racing, I remember when you borrowed my car in high school <laughs> and you, you took it. Like all I remember is the next day. I don't even remember why you borrowed my car. Like, I think we switched cars. Yeah. But why? <laughs> makes no I sense. have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I really don't know. Have any all idea I know why it happened? Cars. Cause I remember the next day you're like, Hey, do you know how fast your car can go? And I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it to 120. That's I pretty good. That's as high as the speedometer goes. <laughs> of course, it's not by most house because that was like Sweetland Road. You could go pretty fast on it. But. Yeah, that's true. Dude, don't give the younger generation hints about where to go I, fast. I know. It's, it, I'll blame Mo. He like encouraged me. You guys, you know what's funny, man? I was talking about you the other day and I was like, Cruz is one of the most responsible, like, dude, I would trust you with my children. You know what I mean? You're so responsible, but at the same time, you're completely irresponsible. It's oh, yeah. this weird dynamic. I don't understand it. Yes. Um, I'm very, um, impressionable. I can be talked into most things. Um, and, uh, a lot of my students, uh, understand that, mm-hmm. uh, that if you, if you frame it the right way, um, they're probably going to get me to do it. Um, but, um, <laughs> they have to like, they have to know how to, how to frame it. Like, Oh, this would be really educational. I'm like, well, yeah, it probably would be. And then let's go do it. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, like today, <laughs> I, this is a great story this morning. We went, so we had, we're practicing for the state environment contest. And, um, I took, so I have 10 kids that are competing in this state contest and they have to do all sorts of things like forestry, wildlife, aquatics, and, um, soils. And so, uh, we went to this 
Loaiza County Forest Preserve area that is a complete pile of crap because they just got gifted it from like a private landowner. And so they haven't done anything with it, but I knew like, um, I went there the other day to scout it out and there's this huge like cutout in the soil from where a stream cuts through. So we could actually see like a soil profile. Awesome, and man. so I like prepped the kids. I'm like, Hey, we're going to trek down through the woods and we're going to go find this cutout. It's going to be super muddy. It's going to be wet. We got to cross a Creek, wear boots and all this stuff. And so, and it's really steep. And so we were like trekking through the woods. We go down this hill and the Creek's at the bottom. And of course, you know, me being the responsible one is carrying everything and trying to go down this steep hill, going super slow. The kids just take off running down this yeah. hill. And the one kid, Max, just runs straight into the creek, slips and just skids for like a good solid 10 feet on his ass. And just completely covered the entire back half of him in mud. <laughs> and we have to get back in a school van. Uh, and the kids just completely covered mud. And then Max further, as we across the creek and we're like analyzing the soil profile, he jumps down and goes, tries to cross back across the creek and his boots get stuck and he walks <laughs> out of his boots and he is literally walking in his feet, you know, in his socks throughout the creek. Um, and so, and then we had to go to two other like different places in Louisa County. So the kid was just completely mud and now the van's ruined. And <laughs> Uh, on Monday, I'm going to get an earful from the transportation department, but uh, it was totally worth it because we got to see some awesome soil like profiles. Yeah. So, dude, it's a real experience, and I I know at least at our school that's the whole thing they're promoting and pushing is like, how can we actually make experiences for kids that are like authentic? You know? Yeah, for sure. And dude, I mean, you're an ag teacher, man. Like, what's more authentic than that? You know, yeah, like, you get out in nature. That's that's the good thing. And so I think uh, like when we when I take kids, like well, next weekend we have the state contest, and so we'll be gone Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And the state contest is on Monday, but Saturday and Sunday we're going to two different or well, three different parks up by Des Moines uh, state parks. And um, one of the places I want to go, which is the only reason I know about, it is because of you, is Ledges State Park yeah. up by Boone. It's like my favorite state park in Iowa, Legends and I really want to take the kids up there on Saturday uh, to check that out because none of them have ever been there, and I'm like, this has like the best trails in Iowa if you want to go check awesome things out, so, yeah, and they have a stream and everything that we can do water testing and stuff, so it's applicable, but yeah. really, I just want to go to like, go check out the state park, so. Yeah, dude. Dude, so, okay, so can you like talk a little bit about ag teaching? Like, what made you, you're you grew up basically in the city, quote unquote, like in Muscatine proper, you weren't like a country boy or anything like that. So like, what, what, like, what makes you really like agriculture and teaching about it? Uh, I think the biggest thing that made me want to uh, go into teaching ag is the FFA side. Yeah. Um, because of those authentic experiences that you talked about, um, the FFA, um, just allows kids to do so many hands-on things um, and gets them out of the classroom, travel. We go, I mean, I, I definitely have the most miles out of any teacher in the school vans by far. Um, and we go places all the time to meet people and learn from other people that are smarter than I am um, so that the kids can do better in like contests. And then they develop those skills in those contests that they can use throughout the rest of their life. Um, and so uh, I think it's just, it's the hands-on, um, applicable 
um, yeah. knowledge that you learn and being able to do stuff that's not your normal classroom. Um, like right now, it's crazy. We have a greenhouse where we're growing plants um, and it's chocked full. I mean, we have probably like $6,000 worth of plants in there right now. Jeez. And then we have broiler chickens outside. So we have this mobile chicken coop that we move every day so that we don't burn the grass um, with the manure. And so we're trying to, you know, feed out these and then we're going to butcher them um, right at school and do it like in the, in the courtyard outside by classroom. And then um, we have quail that we're raising and then hatching uh, baby quails. And um, I don't know, we just, I mean, it's always something different. Um, one thing that we've had success in is livestock judging. And even in high school, when I was in FFA and ag, like I never never did anything livestock related. I was like all plants and uh, horticulture, natural resource stuff. And, uh, but somehow the kids are really in a livestock judging. So I had to learn right with them. And I think that's the other thing that I really like about uh, teaching ag is I learn just as much as the kids do um, when we go to all these places uh, and get to see all these different uh, people and learn from them. And, and uh, I don't know, it's really just, the, the whole aspect of um, trying to get kids to realize there's so many different options out there is, is pretty cool. Yeah, man. Well, can you kind of like, I, I, first of all, I want to be in your class. Like, can I go back to high school and just be in your class? I think that'd be super cool. Cause I, I walked around with you, you drove from Muscatine, Iowa, all the way down to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I remember meeting you down there and we walked through the gardens yeah, we went to NC State. NC and, State, that's right. Yeah, and like that trip was amazing. We had kids um, that qualified for the National um, Nursery Landscape Contest. And to see some of the plants that they had identified, we had to go pretty far south because we just can't grow them up here. Um, and so uh, one of the areas, there's a school down in North Carolina that's been really successful uh, in the contest. And so we met with that ag teacher um, and they have like a really cool planting outside their school. Uh, and then um, went to NC State and Duke University and to this community college that all have like amazing public gardens. And I think it was for me as an eye opener, but for the kids to see that there's, um, I think one of the big problems we have at LNM is kids do not want to go to a four year college. Um, and I know four-year college is definitely not the right path for everyone, yeah. but for a lot of kids, it is the right path. But at L&M, it just seems that um, nobody wants to take that path. And it's weird, you know, because like when we were in high school, that was the, like, that was like everybody wanted to do the four-year path, even though they probably shouldn't have. <laughs> it was the opposite, but yeah. yeah. So um, I think that's, that's the other thing I like is that we get to introduce them to some of these other paths that and you know that we are, we do need people that um become researchers and you know have those advanced degrees too um and that it's doable yeah so. dude we need more people knowledgeable just in what you teach you know yeah like the whole i mean dude you cover it all man you texted me the other day you said you had seven preps and i was like yeah. and if you don't know what that is in teacher talk that means like seven different classes to prepare for yeah, every day. So, um, which is crazy. Um, I teach everything from, I have an animal science class. I have a horticulture greenhouse management class. I have um, ag products, which is like meats and dairy. 
Um, I have uh, like an Ag 1, which we do kind of everything in. It's like an introduction to Ag. Um, I teach 7th and 8th grade. <laughs> I have um, a Ag sales class where we teach about business and sales. What, um, man? Like a conservation class where we do like natural resources. I teach soil science. Um, I teach small animal science, like cats and dogs, which I'm like, why am I teaching about cats and dogs? But there's, I mean, think about everybody owns a pet. It's crazy how much money the United States spends on pets. Yeah. People that will, one, take care of them. And two, like you can sell crazy stuff and just make a boatload of money because you made something for somebody's pet. So um, we (laughs) do like a whole whole class on small animal science. We just bought a cat. So nice. I'm one of those people now, <laughs> but dude, that's awesome. And so what's your favorite one? Like, I know you're going to be like the whole answer is like, Oh, I like them all. But like, if yeah. you personally, like, what are you passionate about? When um, I like the horticulture classes. Yeah. I was a, my undergrad degrees in, in horticulture. So yeah. of course I like those classes and the kids mm-hmm. like, can tell I nerd out about it. Cause I like force feed them so much information and they're like, how do you know all this stuff? I'm like, I went to school for four years for this stuff. I know a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, most epic horticulture moment in your life. Uh, do you have one? I, I have one for you. Oh, you have one for me. Yeah. Uh, Which means you share yours first or you want me to go? Oh, I'll share mine. Okay, so we're okay. on my bachelor party in New Orleans <laughs> on one of those boats with a giant fan, you know? <clears throat> and the yeah. guy is like driving us around and stuff and he's quizzing everybody but he's quizzing everyone in a way where it was like no one's gonna know these answers like look at me i'm super smart i know everything and he's like what are these plants right here and you just look at him and you're just like spanish moss and he was just blown away (laughs) he was like this guy schooled me uh that uh that was good i was on my game that day um Uh, no, I think my, uh, for me, the moment that stands out the most is, I, I guess I have two. Um, one's really, well, they're both really bad. So, I don't, yeah, they're both terrible moments. Um, <laughs> uh, the first one was in, when I was my freshman year of college. Um, we qualified for the National um, FFA Nursery Landscape Contest. And that's a contest that I've had, like, kids qualify, and, qualify for now as a teacher. And, um we lost, we got second place in the nation and we lost to um, North Carolina, no, Georgia, sorry. We lost to Georgia because by two points and there was one plant that I couldn't identify during yeah. the contest and it's a freaking bayberry. Mirica Pennsylvanica is the scientific name and uh, I just like drew a complete blank, walked up to it and I'd seen it before. I like knew exactly what it was, just couldn't, couldn't think of it in the moment. And that would have got us four points. And, of course, we would have been, like, national champions and all this stuff, you know. And, like, it's to this day, uh, when I was a landscaper in Chicago for several years, if I had a property that had that plant on it, I automatically, like, submitted them, like, thousands of proposals to remove all those plants from their property because I hate <laughs> it so much. And it's still, to this day, my most hated plan. Anytime I take kids anywhere where that plant is, I point it out to them. I'm like, this is the worst plant on earth. And if you um, have this in your yard, you need to replace it. And uh, so that one, and then 
the worst day of me being a landscaper um, by far is we had this property um, and it was on the north in the north suburbs of Chicago, which is where very uh, rich people live. Uh, and uh, this property is uh, Brian Erlacher had a house in this property. What? Yes. Uh, linebacker for the Bears. Stud. Yes. Former linebacker from the Bears. And so these are like multi-million, million dollar homes. And um, I had just gotten this property like maybe like four months from my boss because she like took over as our boss. And so she gave me this property. And the property manager is this guy. I won't tell you his name, but Casey's listening. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> with Smyan Schmerlacher. Yeah. No, he wasn't the property manager, but this property manager <laughs> lived there. And so the guy was like always there and he was a pain in my ass. Like he would call and just rant for like hours about little tiny things that made no sense. And every time I tried to submit a proposal or anything, he would like say that it's way too expensive, even though they have all this freaking money. And uh, <laughs> it, it was a nightmare of a property. And um, just because the property manager was, he was so rude and just a jerk. And uh, they, it was like June 11th. And it was super hot that day. And for some reason, my chemical crew, the, the people that put fertilizer out for us, they decided they were going to fertilize that property on like a 98 degree day. And they have these little motorized carts that they stand up on the back and it has a spreader on the front. And so they're zooming around all the grass, spreading fertilizer. And everywhere they drove that day left tire marks in the grass where it burned the grass because the fertilizer is too hot. And yeah. so when the tires crushed the fertilizer into the grass, it burned the grass. And so we had like, yeah, like burnt grass streaks throughout the entire property. Oh my and God. I got that phone call and it was a nightmare. I had to go to the property. I'm looking at it. The property manager's like cussing me out and we had to rip up everywhere there was burned grass and put fresh sod down. And it was a nightmare. So yeah. those are my two worst like horticulture days. <laughs> what about best days? Uh, best days. Um, New Orleans. What the, the one in New Orleans? Yes. Uh, Every time I text you and I'm like, "What's this plant?" Because I know Lindsay and I've done <laughs> it a few times, and you reply instantly too. Is the coolest part. Uh, it is cool, like knowing things. Like I think kids like when they start to learn the trees and stuff. Like I'll see a kid like five years later that I had like five years ago and they'll still like, that's a sugar maple or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's like awesome. you learned something. <laughs> so, um, so that's pretty cool. So um, I don't know. There's, it, it's, uh, I mean, there's plants all around you. So knowing, knowing some of them is, is kind of neat. So, no, man. It's so cool. Like, honestly, I wish, I wish that was something I, I, I feel like I should commit some time to it, at least knowing the like, plants near my house you know what i mean like knowing the environment i'm in because it enriches the experience like you're going hiking and you're noticing all these different variety and right. plant species like it has to be a like cooler experience because of it yeah and that's like something i really want to focus on too is um i know a lot of like ornamental plants that you can use in landscaping that we like commercially produce but the wild plants is what I struggle with. Cause I, you know, I was a, I was a strict landscape horticulture major. And so like, we did not focus on native and like wild plants like that. And uh, so now like that we do all these environmental contests and stuff like that, I'm starting to learn some of them with the kids, yeah. but I want to learn way more about that. And if I could go back, like, 
even like, you know, we have to do like continuing education as teachers. That's what I want to focus on is like try to take classes on that do like native plant identification and learn all the like different grasses and wildflowers and stuff that grow and all the shrubs and stuff that grow in the, in the woodlands. That's what I want to learn. So that's cool, man. Do you think, I mean, you intentionally made the shift from being a landscaper in Chicago to going back to school to be a teacher. Like, why did you make that shift? And do you feel like more fulfilled because of it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the reasons, well, the major reason I made that shift is because um, I didn't live in Chicago. I lived in like the Northwest suburbs. And it was basically just like living back home, but with way more people that were like way ruder. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of hated that environment. And I think if I would have lived downtown um, or like north side of town or in town, I think I would have like, it would have been a completely different experience. Um, and I might not have ever left. But um, the other thing is at the company I was working for, they hired a guy as our like new boss and I hated him. So <laughs> there was that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to work for you. So then I'm like, what else could I do with my life? And I'm like, I really liked FFA and ag. Maybe I can become a teacher. That's and so cool, I went back to Iowa State and um, did the master's program. And I really, really do like it, though. I think um, for me, it's it's awesome because I'm always doing different things um, and I can still be outside. There are like major drawbacks to being a teacher. You are always like every single day you're scheduled in meetings for eight hours a day. You know, you think of any other profession, nobody else is in meetings as long as we are because you're teaching, all. you know, and, and plus if you had to give a 45 minute presentation in any other job, they would give you like weeks to prepare that. You know, they would be like, you have this big presentation for 45 minutes. You need like several days to two weeks to prepare for this. And you know what? Those presentations generally suck. Like as a teacher though, for whatever reason, you just learn that skill of like, okay, I have this amount of time to fill. Like I'm going to make this as good as possible because I think the difference is instead of your audience being like adults who are in the same corporation as you, you know, and you can read, you can, whatever your audience is now like 13 through (laughs) 17 year olds. And you're like, I have to be entertaining. If I'm not entertaining, like I am screwed. (laughs) Right. It's pure chaos. If you don't, so kids start fighting each other or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, man. You said you broke up a fight. Uh, yeah. So that was the the first one that's ever happened in my classroom, which is, it's crazy to me. Um, I was literally turned around. Uh, like I have a big filing cabinet at the front of my room and I turned around to like get papers out of that filing cabinet for like the next activity we we're going to do. And I, I think I'm more mad at the rest of my class than the two kids that were fighting. Cause like, I get it. Like high school boys, like sometimes they just are idiots and they have a lot of testosterone and they fight like I, they shouldn't do it. Right. But I get it. But the rest of the class, I'm more mad at because I was turned around and literally the kid gets up out of his seat, goes over to the other kid, slaps him across the face. Not one person in the class says a word because all they had to do, one kid says, hey, Cruz, I would have turned around and could have put a stop to it right there. Not one kid. They're all just staring in amazement. Kid slaps him. The other kid says, do it again. And the kid slaps him again. 
And then the other kid gets up and they just start going at each other. And that's when I turn around because I can hear him finally. And all the kids are just sitting there. Nobody's doing anything. I had to hop across two tables to get to them and literally pry them apart. Like my hands are on both of their faces trying to pry them apart. And luckily, like, and I have a pretty good yell. So when I turn around, I'm like, hey, and the principal was in the hallway. He heard me yell and he actually came in and I literally shoved the two kids apart and he grabs the one kid and pulls him into the hallway and I grab the other kid and take him out my back door. I'm just like, what the hell is going on? And Dude, awkward gosh. moment is you have to keep teaching after that. Oh, yeah. 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 And we had like. 12 minutes left of class dude i it only happened it happened to me once too when i was in virginia and it, i was so mad because i saw these kids were upset in the hallway as they were coming in and i pulled them both aside individually like oh my gosh students, and i was like hey are you gonna be okay I'm like yeah man it's fine it's fine i'm like okay and then the next kid are you gonna like is this okay is this a situation like no 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 big deal mr Warmer. okay and I'm standing out there and I always do, I put a timer on for like four minutes while they came in and settled and then they had to answer a question that was on the board. And so the timer, I click start and I went back out in the hallway to like welcome the other kids in. And all of a sudden I just hear like all hell's breaking loose in the class. Oh. I walk in and these kids are, one's in a headlock and one, you know, and uh there's this kid this giant kid these two kids for me since it's seventh grade they were like five foot two and then i had this kid who was like six four. Oh gosh and javian and i'm like javian and he because he was close to him and he just literally just grabbed them and just pulled them apart like it was no big <laughs> deal and then i'm like javian take one of them out of here and he just picked up one of them and just walked out with it. nice and then, but then I remember specifically like seeing the shocked looks on all the other kids' faces and then looking at the board and the timer still going. And I'm like, I mean, I guess you got to do your warm up question because we have another 50 minutes to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it, it was, it was chaotic. I got back to the room and I just look at the other kids and I actually started chewing them out. I'm like, how did you guys not say anything? How'd you let this happen? Oh, and I like, I was like total defense mode. I'm like, what is all your guys' fault? Not mine. Um, yeah. I should have like, obviously, I don't know. I, I felt super bad. Like I did not sleep that entire night because I'm like, what could I have done differently to stop it and all this stuff. And the yeah. kids got kicked out of school for like three days and I felt bad and yeah. all this stuff. And then like, now I'm just like, I don't know. It is what it is, man. Dude, exactly. teaching's an adventure. It's a, is it's the most for me i'm like it's really fulfilling because there's like 50 things at all times going on in a classroom and you have to be aware of all of them and it's like and sometimes like that like dude that comes out of nowhere you're like dude there's no way i would have thought that would have happened and right and it's just fun man i like i mean not like that's the kind of stuff isn't fun i hate like you, right. know, you want the kids to be happy and like yeah but teaching in general is fun because you like don't know what the day is going to bring you know it's uh yeah it, it is like and there's for me i like uh that i don't teach a core subject because um i don't have to uh we have standards but you know i can kind of go with the flow and do whatever i want yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is amazing. 
Um, and so we do some pretty random things and, uh, um, we might be talking about one subject and then all of a sudden we just need to do something completely different for the day and we'll do something crazy. And, uh, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's good. I, I like, that's the joy of, uh, teaching ag is that you yeah. can do so many different things. That's so. cool, man. Sweet. Well, kind of to wrap up, man, I gotta, first I have to give you props. Like I'm just, I don't know. I I'm just so happy. Like you're healthy and like, vibrant is that a weird thing to say like <laughs> yeah. i'm just like maybe i mean like you have more energy it seems like i don't know yeah for sure um i think uh it's definitely given me a, like more of a purpose um and it's actually really helped like mentally too um getting in shape and like having somewhere to go at night um instead of staying at school yeah. uh, is super helpful for me. Um, and I, so I, I want to leave school so I can go to the gym, um, or go running. And so that, that's super, I I used to stay till school till nine, 10 o'clock at night, um, like every night and wow. try to get stuff like done. And a lot of it was like, you know, trying to plan for the next day, but then like these contests and stuff. And it has made me become a lot more, um, better a lot better at uh prepping for classes and doing things a lot quicker and not overthinking things and all that kind of stuff because i want to get it done i want to get out of there and i want to have somewhere to go and so having the gym and having like a purpose to leave and and motivation to do that is super helpful for me um and definitely like if i don't uh go to the gym or work out or run or do something it definitely affects me mentally big yeah. time like i get super super angry at myself and um like to a really bad place and so it is it is really 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 helpful for yeah. sure dude you're amazing like i said you're one of my favorite people ever um favorite moment i was thinking today too favorite moment in football for me like one of the top 10 at least was against pleasant valley when we ran 50 screen which i think is what it was called I can't remember now, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what it's called. But anyways, so you were the guard and I was the center and we had to let the guy go. So we let the tackle defensive tackle go. And then we just got like shoulder to shoulder and we just ran up to the middle linebacker and just yes. knocked this giant dude down. If you remember that. And I, I still, that. yeah, I still, to this day, I'm like, that was one of my favorite plays in football. That was awesome. man. And I think part of it was like, it's always fun pancaking, pancaking someone, knocking him down. But when you're doing it with your buddy, it's way better. You Heck know? yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show, dude. Um, hopefully, I'll see you soon. Yeah, man. Hopefully, I can uh, make it out uh, sometime. Who knows when. You're but also the busiest teacher I've ever met in my life. There are so many things that you can do. Uh, and so, <laughs> I try to do them all, but it doesn't always work that way. But, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, well, we'll have to catch back up at some point. For sure. Thanks, Chris. All right. See it. All right. That wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Huge thanks to Adam Cruz for coming on the show. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of share these conversations, you know, share this. And like I said at the beginning, I hope you see the passion that this guy has for teaching because being a teacher is a major part of my life and I just 
am so excited when I see a teacher who, you know, has that much passion for it as Adam does. And like I said, I truly think like I would be in his class right now as a 32 year old man. I would be like, Hey man, can I join your high school agriculture class? <laughs> Cause it sounds really interesting. And it's a lot of things I wish I knew. And, you know, I think I mentioned or alluded to in the show whenever me and my wife have questions about plants in our yard or, or anything like that, we'll take a picture and we'll send it to Cruz and he'll like respond within seconds. I mean, this guy's just knows, he knows a lot of information and he knows a lot about nature, which is super cool. Um, and along with just this whole podcast, this whole episode, it, I mean, it's definitely about health and I know that it is definitely outside the norm of like ultra running or running or anything like that. And over the next few weeks, we're going to jump back to that topic for sure. Uh, but for me, it's funny cause I do feel kind of this pressure of like, Oh man, I should just have, I should just kind of focus this on ultra running things like that because we've had a lot of ultra runners on here and those episodes have been fantastic um and there's this like weird like external pressure because there's a lot of ultra running podcasts and things like that that are really really great uh and it's funny like i can recently i've had on a lot of people who weren't necessarily endurance athletes weren't ultra runners things like that and Ever since day one of starting this, I've always I've decided intentionally. I'm like, I don't want to do, and I don't want to say just an ultra running podcast because there are like amazing ones out there. Um, but I didn't, for me personally, to make sure I was being consistent and to make sure I was keeping up with my goal, I knew that if I talked about just one topic 24-7, I would eventually burn out on it because that's just my personality. I need to, I'm like, I like to be a jack of all trades. I like to focus in on all sorts of different things. And I think when I, when I try to summarize what the show is about, like I have a little thing written that says interviews with incredible people about adventure, motivation, mindset, positivity, endurance, health, perseverance, and possibility. Um, and I think that <laughs> that sums it up, but that's all over the place. And it's funny because, you know, you go on websites or I've gone on websites like, how do you create a successful podcast? And like the number one advice is like focus in on one very specific topic. And I just that didn't sound fun to me. Um, I like hearing about really cool like bike rides like. I like to hear about ultra. I like to hear about guys learning how to uh, be yoga teachers. I like to hear from crews about just general, like how did you get healthy? Why did you get healthy? Why now? Um, you know, like that's what interests me. I love uh, just sports in general. I mean, I watched the recently. I watched a lot of the NCAA tournament because we're at home with our newborn and. It's also something that can be on TV around kids. That's not just cartoons. Um, and man, I never played basketball. I, I did in seventh grade. I had three points, free throw and a layup all season. <laughs> but it's just something about watching people push through and doing do something that is incredibly hard and be excellent at it. That That's what really inspires me. And I hope that's 
what you guys are taking away from the podcast because I think it's about people finding like passion for life and it's not always in the same way um it you can find passion in like all sorts of different aspects but it is about finding that passion and really like being true to yourself and living your absolute best life whatever that looks like for you you know yours looks different than mine mine looks different than um Dwayne the Rock Johnson's you know (laughs) so uh, I hope that's what you guys are taking um I'm definitely we're gonna we're getting back to a lot more runners coming up because I am currently training for Desert Rats part deux round two um me and a couple guys on the podcast you've heard from uh Mickey Sederberg Cedarberg Phil Pinty, Paul Shearing, we're all going back out to the desert and we're going to have a grand old time. Uh, It's going to be super fun. It's like a six-day adventure race if you haven't heard those episodes. Um, But I'm also training for, in May, just as an excuse to be on my feet for 12 hours, I'm doing a 12-hour trail run slash, I'm just going to walk a whole bunch, uh, at White Ranch Park, which is like 10 minutes from my house, where... You can get like the absolute most elevation. I think in the Denver Front Range area, maybe not Boulder, maybe you can get more in Boulder, but this place, there's a whole bunch of different loops in there. So we're going to go up there and then you run different loops throughout it. But it is killer, man. Your quads, like every time I go out there, I run, there's like a half marathon route, like a 12 mile route. And every time I think I'm in shape, that route just kicks my ego right in the face. And I'm like, whoa, why am I going so slow? Um, So, yeah, so I was like, you know what? 12 hours out there sounds like even better time, maybe. So anyway, so as I'm getting into that, I'm definitely going to be picking the brain of a whole bunch of uh, really experienced um, runners, racers, uh, race directors, things like that. So those are coming up. So, so yeah, but anyways, talking to Cruz honestly was like one of the best moments of my last week. Uh, I love that guy. He's awesome. He's been one of my absolute best friends since high school. I remember in high school football, he was my lifting partner for the first few years. Um, and you know, man, when you're in high school football and you're a lineman, the dudes next to you on the line, like those are your brothers for life. So, um, as an only child, I definitely would consider Cruz a brother for life. So, all right, that'll wrap up the show this week. We'll get back at you next week. See ya.